Registration is required, so make sure you reserve your spot to donate today. Also, on Wednesday nights at 6.15, we're offering a special class called A Crash Course in Worldview and Culture. Registration is still open to join either online or in person. If you've been joining us online, would like to join us in person at our 10.30 a.m. service, remember, we offer an overflow section in the chapel where masks are mandatory. We also have a mask section in the sanctuary. At all other times and locations at the church, masks are highly recommended. You can find more information about our upcoming events in our online bulletin at apostles.org or by scanning the QR code posted outside of the sanctuary. We're so glad you're with us today to worship the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well today. Would you stand with us as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? And we seek him. Let's worship together. Oh, peace that passes my understanding, love that conquers my fear and regret, joy unending, eternal. to see. 
every breath. i 
everything. of his faithfulness this morning.
great is thy faithfulness and great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hand has provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto me. Great is his faithfulness today. Amen. You may be seated as we live into a time of prayer and scripture. Been reading through John 13 to 17. And one thing that struck me when I was reading through that was the number of times that Jesus says, Ask anything that you wish and it will be given to you. And he kind of just throws it in here and there all over the place and you don't kind of understand why sometimes you're reading it through. It seems to jump out. But you realize why as you read on a little bit when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. So the Lord knows that we need to ask because we need things from him. That's what we're going to do right now. Come and do exactly what he said. Let's pray. Father, what a joy it is that you give us the invitation to ask. Father, sometimes we are reluctant to ask. I know I am. I I sometimes feel if I'm imposing upon somebody and if I've asked too many things of them, then I'm reluctant to ask. And Lord, we can understand based on that why you say to your disciples in that final farewell to them, that they should ask, that they should ask you directly and you will give what they ask for. And Lord, it's because you know that we need you. We need you every hour. We need your sustaining help. You know that you are the vine and that we are the branches. And that just the same way that a branch cannot bear fruit, it cannot grow, it cannot even survive unless it is grafted into the vine and receiving nourishment and help moment by moment, it cannot survive. It cannot thrive. It cannot bear fruit. And so, Lord, you know that that is the case for us. So first of all, we just want to thank you and praise you that we, for those very words that you encourage us to come and, and pray and ask you for things. And you also say that it is to your Father's glory, to the Father's glory that we ask, because we will bear much fruit and that will glorify you, but also we can thank you for answers to prayer. Lord, we want to begin even now by thanking you for answers to prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to be here, Lord, in the midst of everything. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers, the prayers that have been prayed many times here at this church, thanking you already for the safety that you've granted us as a country, for the way that, Father, we don't have fear of being uh, in some suicide bombing every moment of our day. Lord, thank you for peace, for security, for well-being. Thank you for medicine. Thank you for health. Thank you for answering our prayer that so quickly scientists have been able to come up with a vaccine. Lord, thank you for the mercies that are even on people's minds right now. And Lord, in a moment of silence, we will lift those up to you. 
Lord, we also want to turn to ask you for things, just as we've even just spoken about a second ago. Lord, we want to be very specific because we want to be able to give you thanks and praise. Lord, we want to pray that for each of us here, you would sustain and protect us, and for our extended loved ones, that you protect us from the COVID virus. Father, we don't know how it's going to morph, and we don't know how the vaccine is going to work exactly. Our prayer would be, Father, that by the end of this year, life might return to some normality. Father, I would also want to pray that you would have taught us lessons through all that has happened as individuals, but also as a nation, as a world. Father, we want to ask as well that you would put on our hearts more a heart for the lost, a heart for those who don't know you, a heart for those who don't know what it is to ask you, Jesus, for things and see you answer prayer, to know what it is to be grafted into you, the glorious vine. Lord, we pray that you would help us to more and more be willing to go outside our comfort zone, that you would provide us opportunities to befriend and to love those around about us, and that you would be pleased to pour out your love through us, that you would bring conviction of sin and, and the realisation that you are the saviour of the world. Lord, we pray that you would seek and save those who are lost. Lord, we pray for the church that is being persecuted around the world. And Lord, we can't name names but we would pray very specifically for them right now, those who are suffering in prison, that you would lift their spirits, for those, Father, who are suffering in fear and are rejected because they are converted from Islam, that you would provide for them. In that regard, we pray that you'd help, uh, help the persecuted, you'd bless that organisation. Father, we also want to pray for our church here. We thank you for the staff. We pray that you would sustain them and use them. Lord, lastly, we want to pray and ask you that we would have more of you, that, Lord, we would have more faith. We think about how the disciples say, um, give us faith. Lord, um, we pray that that would be true of us. Even as we've heard and thought about afresh the idea of asking you for things, give us confidence, renewed confidence in you this day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture today is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. It's page 1035 in your pew Bible. Luke 12, 13 through 34. <clears throat> Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, 
Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you the word of the Lord. Jesus um, touches on something very innate about the human condition in this passage, and it's, um, I'm not going to preach the sermon, this Jonathan's thing this morning, but uh, what I do want to say is it has so much to do with our posture towards God, whether we operate from a place of where we feel great lack or of, of knowing that he is a God of great abundance, knowing that all we have and all we need is placed in Christ and in Christ alone. We don't have to seek and store up treasures here, for Christ is our treasure. Um, so this morning, uh, may we approach his throne through worship, through offering, and through everything, not from a place of lack, from a, but from a place of knowing that he is a God of great abundance. Um, if you're uh, going to give today and you feel inclined to do so, we would love that, and you'll have an opportunity to do that uh, outside the doors at the end of the service. Um, but as for right now, let's prepare our hearts um, to receive the word of the Lord. Um, and I just invite you to receive this song where you are, not out of, out of a place of lack, but out of a place of abundance, because he is a God of generosity and our treasure. So t together we sing. In the morning you sing over me And I receive your mercy Faithfulness is clear to see 
is constant every day. In the morning you sing over me, and I receive your mercy. Your faithfulness is clear to see, it's constant every day. Every breath I breathe an invitation to believe you are creating something good. Though the season doesn't tell my story, I know you'll move mountains for me. You should just that good. So I'll give things to God when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than what I need so I'll give things to God when I don't have enough cause he's more than enough and he knows what I need in the silence I choose to believe that you're working in the way. Though the future isn't clear to me, I trust you anyway. Every breath, every breath I breathe, an invitation to believe.
Amen. Well, there's the sermon in 10 seconds that Seth gave us right there, all summed up. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I think of the balance between what uh, Bruce was sharing with us and, and what we've just been singing, that um, you do call us to uh, make requests of you, uh, even the small things. But then the balance of that is that we've put our trust in you and that we no longer have to worry about these things because we've entrusted it to you and we can sit back and see how you work your plans out sovereignly. So, Father, we ask this morning, our prayer request is that you would give us uh, minds to be focused, to hear from your word. Father, give us more of you. Give us faith to believe. Help us to hear from your word and trust it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a long time ago, uh, a Baptist preacher was traveling through South Alabama on a hot day, and he stopped at a watermelon stand, and he asked how much the watermelon cost. And uh, the seller replied, it's $1.10. That was a long time ago. Uh, the preacher dug into his pocket, and he pulled out a, a bill, and he says, all I have is a dollar. And uh, the seller said, that's okay, I'll trust you for it. Well, that's mighty nice of you, the preacher responds, and he picks up his watermelon and he starts to leave. He says, hey, where are you going? Uh, I'm going outside to eat my watermelon. He said, well, you forgot to give me your dollar. He said, well, but you said that uh, you trust me for it. Yeah, but I didn't mean I trust you, I would just trust you for the dime. The preacher yelled, you weren't going to trust me at all. You were just taking a 10-cent gamble on my integrity. Well, we can do the same with God, can we not? And that's the issue that we're talking about this morning. Discipleship and trust. Last week, we looked at discipleship and hypocrisy as Jesus uh, is teaching his disciples these, uh, this enduring wisdom Uh, as we've been looking at in Luke chapter 12. Remember, he says, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And as we saw the the Trinitarian imagery that that Jesus was equipping his disciples with uh, as a protection against uh, the fast-spreading hypocrisy that covers sin and does not address it. We honor the Father by confessing the Son. We honor the Son by responding to the Spirit's work. And we honor the Spirit by honoring the Son. When the Spirit of God is at work in us, reminding us of of what it is that we believe and teaching us the character of God, then those help us to avoid the hypocrisy that so easily spreads. And today, we are still in the crowd of, uh, of the thousands who are stepping on top of one another, again, as we saw last week. And they've all just heard this uh, message uh, of Jesus to his disciples. And this man speaks up, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this man has just heard and had insight on a teaching on the triunity of God from one of the persons of the Trinity. He has heard a powerful word. And what was his response? Hey, tell my brother to give me some money. 
Now, look, I don't want to dwell here, but there, it says something about our human nature. We kind of uh, tune out until we hear something that appeals to us. And uh, what an encouragement this is to preachers, that people weren't even really listening to Jesus. But I digress. <clears throat> You're paying attention, I can tell. Uh, <clears throat> the man, this man probably blurts this out because he recognizes that Jesus seems to be an expert in the law. And uh, there's all these massive crowds, and uh, he's kind of showing people that he's worth listening to. And so he thinks that he can get a ruling on this dispute over an inheritance with his brother, as rabbis would often do. But he doesn't even really ask for a ruling. He, he really just demands that Jesus tell his brother to give him some part of the inheritance. And here comes the initial response, harsh as it may seem. Men, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Now, we know that God has appointed, uh, 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 from the Bible, we know that God has appointed Christ to be the judge of all. But that's a spiritual judgment, right? Uh, John chapter 5, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And in the future, Jesus will be judge of all the earth, and he will judge every soul spiritually. But here, he renders no decision. He doesn't say how much tax people should pay. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. He doesn't tell families how to split the inheritance. He doesn't tell governments how much they should uh, tax or spend. You could sum up Jesus' uh, approach to these things as, my kingdom is not of this world. He will not get dragged into this man's debate with his brother. But he will, in fact, go to the very root of the issue for this man. He goes down to the man's spiritual condition. And that is what Jesus always, where he always goes. Later in chapter 19 with Zacchaeus, Jesus doesn't appear to tell Zacchaeus what he is specifically to do with his money. He addresses his heart. And then the generosity of Zacchaeus flows from that. So Jesus addresses this man in the crowd's spiritual condition, which was covetousness or greed. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If we are serious about the kingdom of God, then there is a need for an eternal perspective. And at the very root of all of this is trust. Is God good? And can I trust Him? Greed and covetousness reveals a lack of trust in God. A lack of understanding the character of God. And Jesus is saying to this man about his spiritual condition, your desire for more, your thirst, is like drinking salt water. It will never be satisfied. You are never going to have your thirst quenched. Because the life that you need, 
the life that satisfies, the life that fulfills, the life that is eternal and lasts forever is the life of God in your soul. And it is not going to come through acquiring of possessions. Then he gives this parable of the rich fool. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. Uh, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, that this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. A few points um, on our parable here. First, notice the use of I and my in these few verses. He has six times he uses I and five times my just in a brief span. This man is wrapped up in himself only. No mention of helping a neighbor, no mention of giving back to God. I and my. Secondly, he speaks only with himself. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good things. There is no conversation with anyone. He didn't say, and I said to my wife, or I said to my children, or I said to my small group Bible study. He is such a covetous and greedy man that he takes advice only from himself. Third, he forgets God, his fellow man, and eternity. Jesus says, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You can't take those things with you. You're just going to leave it to some fool, as Ecclesiastes points out. And this is not our only existence. The kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom, and it is not made up of possessions. Those will be rendered useless. But the person who is rich toward God, that person has grown and learned to put their trust in God. That person knows that God is trustworthy. That person has an eternal perspective on life. And so Jesus at this point turns again to his disciples, as he had done, as we looked at last week, with hypocrisy. He turns to his disciples, these men who needed to learn these lessons as they are going to help establish Christ's church in the world. And he says to them, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And so all week I wrestled with this. What is the connection between the rich fool and this lesson to the disciples? And uh, as I, again, spent all week looking and sort of wrestling with this, I, I think I have. Uh, I think I've come to what I think is the right conclusion, but we'll see. And it is really about worrying about the future. 
The rich fool, he is worried about his future. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I am worried about my future. Then when the solution comes, which is not necessarily a bad solution, he says, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. He had a fear of the immediate future and a lack of trust in the provision of God. So when he had his solution, it was only for himself and it was only for this life. Jesus says, don't worry about the future. R.C. Sproul, who I I love and, and admire his teaching, Uh, In speaking on these verses, he says, uh, I doubt there is another commandment that I have broken more in my life than this. I am not happy unless I have something to worry about. And then he continues on, and that is a judgment on my confidence and faith in God. And I think most all of us can agree with that statement. We worry about specific things. We worry about general things. We worry about money. We worry about job security. We worry about the rising cost of tuition. We worry about our children and grandchildren. We worry about the direction of our country or our city. And on and on and on and on and on. So what is Jesus telling his disciples and us in this section of Luke chapter 12? Four things for us. First, concern for worldly goods is foolish because life itself is more important than what sustains it. Verse 23, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. I remember seeing, I hope this is somewhat of a helpful illustration, but I remember seeing an interview um, of Matthew McConaughey by Conan O'Brien And now I've lost half of you. And Conan asks Matthew how he's doing. And McConaughey has the most bizarre reply. And he says something along the lines of, I'm good. I'm just breathing. Breathing in. Breathing out. Just focusing on existing. And Conan O'Brien sees the ridiculous, the ridiculousness of his absurd life motto. And he makes him sound so one-dimensional, as if life could be summarized as just breathing and just moving forward. And now, whether it was an existential crisis for him or not, it, it does reveal how life has to be more than just what you eat and your body more than just what you wear. Imagine if your life was summarized by what sustains it. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear. If that does not define or summarize your life, then why would you put so much emphasis on it? Now, a confession. I had a little bit of an illumination from the Lord this morning at 8 o'clock, which, perfect timing. And, you know, all week I was wrestling with, why does Jesus keep talking about the life and the body? He keeps talking about the life and the body, and he's when he's talking about anxiety. He keeps coming to these two things. And even his illustrations of the raven is in relation to life and food and eating and the body, uh, you know, the lilies of the field and the grass being clothed. 
So what was the connection? And I think those are illustrations of thinking of the, the here and the now, but, but he's saying you need to have an eternal perspective. And so the, the, the here and the now, the life is what you're going to eat and drink to give you life, to keep you alive. But the eternal perspective is eternal life. Eternal life. And Jesus even says, I am the bread of life. So what is it that you are feeding on in thinking about your future eternal life, the eternity that you're going to face? You know, and he does this again several times in here, but it's that argument from the, from the lesser to the greater. You worry about bread and water for this life, I'm telling you it's much more important to worry about your eternal life. So feed on me. Feed on my words. And the body, I think, he's talking about the resurrected body. You, you worry about what you're going to put, the clothing you're going to put on your body to go to work or school or, or church or whatever it is. I'm telling you, think about the resurrected body, the eternal life, the, the, the body that you will have for eternity. Put those things in your mind uh, as you consider this. Again, an eight, 8 o'clock in the morning thought right before I had to come up here. So, anyway, second point. God will take care of his own. As we've just said, Jesus says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouses nor barn, which is interesting because that's the example of what the man burns down and builds back up larger uh, from the uh, parable. They neither have storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Again, another argument from the, from the lesser to the greater. Just like the sparrows that we talked about last week, Jesus is teaching his disciples the character of God. How, how much do we need to teach people, children, adults, everybody, the character of God? It might, reminds me of the song, uh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. I mean, you don't have to go very far to see what people think God is like. And they think that that's the truth. It, it's just that's their reality. They haven't gone to any kind of scriptural reference or anything. And so they make up stories, and it's not helpful Jesus is teaching the character of God so that they will understand it. Because what we tend to start to think is that God will not take care of us. He will not protect us. Or, or he simply doesn't care. My son has a book about Jesus calming the storm. And he always turns to the page where the disciples are screaming while Jesus is asleep. It's a cartoon book, so it's... It's almost comical. They're sort of hanging on to the, the sails. And it's, anyway, Jesus is dead asleep. And he always reads really loudly on that page, Don't you care? And that's what happens in our lives. When hard things come, when bad news arrives, and we say, Don't you care? Or, I knew you didn't care. Jesus is showing the heart of the Father. He cares. He takes care of even the ravens. If he takes care of ravens who are of little value, how much more so does God care for you and provide for you? What does Jesus say on the boat after he speaks to the wind and the waves? 
You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Thirdly, anxiety accomplishes nothing, verses 25 and 26. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as uh, small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? The story is told of um, two soldiers in a military trench together in World War I. It's a, it's a Calvinist and an Arminian. And the Calvinist is, is calm in the middle of the battle, while the Arminian is, is trembling in terror. And he asks the Calvinist, how can you be so calm in the midst of all this crazy chaos? And the Calvinist said, there's a bullet out there with my name on it. And in the providence of God, it is either going to get me or it's not going to get me. And my worrying about it doesn't change anything. And the Arminian said, I'm not so worried about the bullet out there with my name on it as I am with all the bullets flying around written on them to whom it may concern. Jesus is not saying, worrying about your life won't add a second to your day, therefore act irresponsibly or or, or treat your life lightly. What he is saying is that if you spend your time worried about your final day, your, your death, you won't actually accomplish anything. It will not make your life longer, and it certainly will bring you no joy. Fourth, as heirs of the inexhaustible riches of the kingdom of God, believers should not worry about earthly details. Your Father knows you need food and clothing. Again, he's reassuring the disciples that God is aware of their needs and that he will not fail them. Now, I, I just, I'm thinking of the juxtaposition of what Bruce was saying earlier. It doesn't mean you don't pray for those things. I, I think there's a sense in which we pray for it and we wait expectantly and then we see the way that God has worked those things out and he gets the honor and the glory and the praise. Jesus wants his disciples to focus not on where their next meal will come from, which we need to remember was the case for them at the time. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus and the disciples were living in a subsistence culture where they they didn't have refrigerators and pantries. They couldn't buy months worth of food at a time. It It was daily bread. So there's a a genuine concern over where the next meal was coming from in the world at that time. Jesus tells them, you focus on the kingdom of God. Don't live as if all we have is a body. We are to live like beings who have immortal souls which are to be lost or saved. All other kingdoms will eventually fade away. This is the only eternal kingdom. You seek the kingdom, and these things, food, drink, what to wear, will be added to you. 
How does that promise work out? The person who seeks God's kingdom will never lack anything that is for his or her good. They may not be as healthy as some people. They may not have as much money as some people, but they would always have enough. Because the kingdom of God is eternal life and resurrected body forever, which is far better than anything, any life or body that this world may offer. Then, we didn't read these, but note these uh, gracious words to believers. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. More insight on the character of God to fight against what many would believe about Him. It is His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He doesn't do it begrudgingly or coldly or unwillingly. He rejoices over his little flock. I mean, even that imagery is beautiful. We could feel so small and insignificant, but he is our good shepherd who, who watches over us. He will freely give his flock all things as heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Here's yet another reason that worry is foolish and unnecessary for believers. Since God has freely given them all the glorious riches of His kingdom, how much more willingly will He give them what they need to serve Him in that kingdom? Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the message that the rich fool from the parable needed to hear. And yet he thought only of himself and his assumed future. And revealed that his heart was fastened to this world. While the disciples were learning to fasten their hearts to the eternal kingdom. Looking forward to the city that was built not with human hands. So what are these last verses saying? Trust in the God that Jesus has been describing. The God who cares for your every need. The God who supplies what you need. The God whose good pleasure it is to give you the kingdom. The God who doesn't want you to be worried about earthly things. The God whose love will be displayed in the offering of the life of His Son. That God who you can trust, that God who is good, wants you to be generous. That God wants you to see things with kingdom lenses, see opportunities for using your gifts, opportunities for supporting the body of believers, opportunities for being generous with the resources that He has been generous to give you. It's not like the rich fool who was all alone talking to himself. This section is about taking the understanding of eternal life and resurrected body and taking it to others, to those around you, to those that God has sovereignly put in your midst. 
How freeing does all of this sound? How freeing does it sound to put worry behind you? How freeing does it sound to put the chase for bigger and better things behind you? How freeing does it sound to give generously without worry about uh, going without or running out? That is the life that Christ offers us and calls us to. That's the life of a disciple who trusts. Let's pray. Father, forbid it that Monday through Saturday we would worry about our life, this life, and the body, what we'll wear, what we will eat, what we will drink, and then Sunday we come in and we pay lip service to uh, the eternal life. But Father, may it be that each and every day we would have a kingdom perspective, that we would be seeking after this kingdom that you desire to give to us as heirs with Christ, that we would see eternity everywhere we go, that the things of this world will soon fade away, they'll burn up, and they will be of no value to us, but the things that will remain will be the things that will be of value, and it souls and people who will have resurrected bodies, and those resurrected bodies are only going in to one of two places. And so may we consider the the things that you have blessed us with, time, talent, treasure, all these things. And may we consider the kingdom with those things. Oh, Father, give us eyes to see that we would be putting our trust more and more and more in you, that that relationship would grow deeper and stronger. And that in that trust, we would more and more hand over those resources you have blessed us with to be a blessing. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and respond and worship this morning. Show me 
This week, go with the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting and relying on Christ, and in Christ alone, you are dismissed.